0: I'd like to talk about just talk, trusting God for the way, trusting God for the way in our life, and I think that you know, and when I was preparing this, um, it's funny that we have mostly young people here today, that this was a topic that I really thought a lot about as a teenager, like as a young person, because you know, as a teen, I remember the biggest question I had was, what is God going to do what is God going to do in my life? What's God's future for me, for me? right? And how can I know God's will for my life? Every time we had a Q&A at our church, one of us would always ask this question. How can I know God's will for my life? How can I know what the future is going to look like? How should, could I know what school to go to? What place to move? Like what I should do? What friends I should hang out with? And, and I just remember um, thinking about that a lot and just wondering, like, I wonder what God's going to do in my life. I wonder what's going to happen in my life. And I remember living in a, in a world of adults And just as a teenager, you just look at the world around you. Your worldview is really a world that's run by adults. And adults, our worldview is we look at a world being run by young people. (laughs) We just feel like, okay, the youth are driving the trends, the styles, and everything like that. And I think as a teenager, I was thinking different. I was thinking this world is being run by adults, and I could do a lot better. could do a lot better job. And there's just three things I want to say this morning. Number one, um, our way... Our walk of faith with God is a walk of faith. And it's not something that we can really rationalize. And I don't want to sound abstract with that. But when we think about the way of God in my life, it's easy to think, um, I don't understand the way. And so I'm confused. And so I want to talk about number one. Number two, God's way and God's will is not something we can naturally know inside of ourselves. Okay, It's not something that, oh, just follow your heart or just follow what you think is the best thing. Follow your friends. God's will and God's way is not something we naturally know inside of ourselves. And then number three, God's direction into his way happens only by when we just surrender to God on a daily basis. Just surrender to God. And that's a word that we don't like naturally because we like words like empowerment. We like words like like um, energy and focus and intentionality. And we like words that are words that just kind of complement me being in control of my life, right? We like those kind of words. And then lastly, um, I just want to say there's three types, of, three types of God's will. Ready? So let's look at Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. And I'm um, going to start with verse 24 and 25. And so the first point is our walk in the way of God is a walk of faith, and it's not something that we can naturally understand. Okay. Verse 24 of Proverbs chapter 20, a man's steps are from the Lord. How can a man understand his way? You know, how can a woman understand her way? Verse 25, it is a snare to say rashly. It is holy and reflect only after making vows. What is this verse saying? I mean, if we were in a smaller setting, I'd ask you to give me feedback. But um, what is that verse saying? Think about that verse 24. A man's steps are from what? The Lord, right? his steps. And what does a step represent? What's a step, right? Somebody just said it. Decisions, right? It's just decisions in your life. A man's steps, a man's decisions are from the Lord. How can a man understand his way? I think that as a young person, or as just an adult, I think that when we stop, and we look at our life, and the decisions we're making, that we can almost be we can almost panic because there's a lot that we don't understand about our past and about our future. And you can think, like, you know what, I'm trusting God here, but I don't really know and I don't really understand the direction I'm going. I think one of the things that really would intimidate me a lot was when I was in high school is that when I was with juniors and seniors that seemed to really understand exactly what they're going to do for the next 10 years, like, I'm going to go to this school, I'm going to do that, I'm going to graduate this, and I'm going to do this, and I just... You know, I was, a, I was a believer in high school. I wouldn't say I was a super spiritual guy, but I knew about God, and I was just continually being faced with uh, opportunity to make bad decisions, and I felt like there was this war in my life. You feel that way? You ever feel like there's a war inside of you? <laughs> I mean, you want to you follow God, and then there's this other thing over here, and it's like a tug of war, right? And I think that when we look at our life by sight, and when we say by sight, it just means by something that I can understand, something I can, I can see, something I can relate to my past, something that I, can, that I can comprehend in my mind, in my little mind. And when we look at the way of God in our life that way, um, we understand it all. But when something goes awry, or when something goes wrong, or when something goes different than the plan, then we're really confused. And so our walk In God's way is really we have to trust God so you know what I don't know I don't know what's going to happen I wish I could say that in one year this is where we're going to be at Um, this is what I did and I remember like being a single person and in my family there is a history of men making a bad decision who to marry (laughs) that's like you know in every family there's kind of like a, a historical dysfunction and I remember seeing that in an early age and just thinking you know like wow you know it just seems like everybody in my family just is not marrying is not marrying wisely and i just remember thinking lord how can i change that and as a 14 year old thinking about about my future and i i didn't even know how to plan or to pray but you know what god showed me he just said pray this prayer lord in 10 years i want you to have me in your perfect will in 10 years i want to be there because i think sometimes when we get when Like when life gets really hard and you don't have a great week and you're just filled with unbelief and you're filled with falling down on your face in sin or in just unbelief or just darkness because it kind of surrounds us. And that can happen very easily when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're when we're hurt. I mean, you know, these triggers in our life can really trigger when we're down. And when this happens, um, I have a good friend. His name is Colton, and he says he says I just look at the first, I look at the six feet in front of me because that's only as far as I can see, and the six feet in front of us is really the next couple steps. And I think that when we are in a place where we don't understand what's going on in our life, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of internal like feelings and chemistry and all this weird stuff going on, and we don't even sometimes even know who we are. And um, when that happens, we can pray and say, "Lord, I commit myself to you." That in 10 years, I'm going to be exactly where you want me to be. And Lord, I just need you to do that. And I guess as the years go on, I discover more and more that my Christianity is not me being a good person, trying to be the best I can. But my Christianity is just learning how to trust the Lord to get me there step by step. You know, Christianity, I think sometimes we look at, and this is where, this is what, this is the sad thing. But I think, unfortunately people look at church as a place where all the successful professional Christians go, all the people that are good. Those are all the good people go. But people like myself, I don't really belong there. And I think that that is really just the opposite. That is just the opposite. And when there's that confusion and we don't understand where we're walking, we can say, Lord, I don't know the way I should take. And and I'm not going to try to rationalize, I'm not going to try to understand what's going on. I'm just going to trust you and you know what trust means? A very simple trust or faith is, is that when you sat down in that chair this morning, did you check the legs? Did you check the back? Did you check things that are going to fall apart? Did you just, did you see if it? Did you like, did you check all the screws and everything and make sure that it's not going to fall apart? No. In the back of your mind, you had a frame of reference that this is a chair and I can trust a chair. Generally, you can trust chairs like 99% of the time. I don't know if you've ever sat down in it. Like when I traveled overseas just now, I was in Ukraine um, a week ago. And there you have to check the chairs. Um, sometimes, like, you could sit down and you hear a crack or something, and you think, I didn't think I was that heavy, you know? And, and then the chair is, like, going. And But when you sit down in a chair, you automatically, in the back of your mind, have this frame of reference. You know what a frame of reference is? You ever do perspective drawing, right? You draw a square, and you draw a smaller square, like, in the upper right-hand corner, and you just draw lines from the cor- cor- four corners of that square out to the point, this frame is your frame of reference. That point is your point of reference. And the point of reference, point of reference is really where your mind is at. That's where everything begins. And if my point of reference is that I'm trusting God for my life, I don't know all the details. But I know that, number one, God can be trusted. I can sit in that chair and not even think twice. That is going to break. I can trust the Lord, and sometimes I'm going to think twice or maybe 20 times or maybe 200 times. But I'm going to trust the Lord, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to relax. But if I'm, just, if I'm living in this fear and anxiety and I'm looking at the chair thinking, you know what, I don't know. I mean, I remember years ago I sat down in a chair and I fell on my back and it, wasn't, it was embarrassed and this is going to happen again. And like too much analy- analyzing of, of, of the chair or of God always brings us to a place where we can't sit down and we can't rest. And so when you and I make that decision to say, Lord, the Lord knows, the Lord knows. Um, then we can rest, and we can really enjoy ourselves. We can enjoy the day that we're. We can enjoy like you know, it's it's crazy how many people cannot enjoy the present right now. You know, and guess what? I said to my wife last night. I said, you know, some ten years from now, twenty years from now, it's nothing's going to change. It's always going to be like we got to trust the Lord. We got to trust God. You know, and we just kind of always have this thought: when I get to this point, when I get to this level of income, when I get to this in my business, when I get to this with my son. When I get here with our church, then we can kick back and relax. That's never going to happen. Never. You know, Wes is like, when I get a good job, like that's never going to (laughs) happen. I wish I could say you're going to get a great job, but maybe you do. But there's always going to be something like, if it's not this, it's going to be that. And it's going to be like, okay. And so we need to get comfortable with uncomfortability and just trust the Lord and learn how to trust the Lord. And just don't analyze your life. Don't look at your life. This is the worst thing we can do. Um, as a teenager, I was very introverted. I didn't really have a lot of friends. I didn't talk to anybody. I was just kind of like this guy. I was just always reading. I was the guy in the back of the room with a big glasses reading books. (laughs) That was me reading in the book. And I just was kind of in my own world because I didn't know how to relate to my world until I got to know who God was and how God thought and what he said in the book of Proverbs that a man steps are from the Lord. How can we understand our way? And you know something, when you take a step, when you make a decision, and then you tell people about it, like you say, hey, this is what I want to do with my life, people are going to laugh at you, they're going to question you, and guess what, take God out of the picture for example, take, take spiritual audio, take the Bible out of the picture for a second, whatever you do in your life, if you're a, if you're a leader, and if you're an initiator, and if you're an outside of the box thinker, 95, maybe, 9, maybe 90, 90%, 99% of the people are going to probably push back Because when you and I think outside the box and think in leadership, leading our souls souls, and leading ourselves moving forward, there's always going to be people that say, that's never going to work. You're going to fail. It's not going to work. And when that happens, don't succumb to the temptation to analyze yourself by sight. Number two, God's way is not something that we naturally know inside of ourselves. You know, there's this saying out there, uh, just follow your heart. Your heart knows what's best. You know, our heart's fallen. You know, our heart's broken, right? Would you guys agree with that? Is your heart broken? Like, do we always desire the right things? No, we don't. And there are times when, when we're just astounded at how bad our heart is. It's unbelievable. And when that happens, we have to understand that, and this is Proverbs 16, verse 25. Let's look at that verse together. Proverbs 16, verse 25. And when I was a real small kid, um, I went to a very, very formal, congrega- it was called a congregational church, in Midway, Massachusetts, in West Medway, and um, it was very formal, and we sang the doxology every day, every every service, and super formal. The reason why I liked to go in there was because afterwards there were donuts, <laughs> and I would just eat all the donuts. I was like worse than Caleb. I'm just I'm eating all the donuts. And, like, I had learned. Like, the only thing I remember about that church was that the donuts were great. And I don't know, maybe because that was my, my kids, my little worldview as a kid, but it felt like, like the whole back wall of the church was just filled with donuts, like from floor to, to like, halfway up there. I mean, it just was in my mind. I think I was, like, maybe five or six. And I just remember, you know, we were, um, we were in Sunday school, and we were, going, we were supposed to memorize a verse— and then if we could memorize that verse, we would get a Bible. Can you imagine that? Like working, making kids work for a Bible. <laughs> so I didn't learn the verse. Um, I just kind of mumbled along with everybody else, and I got the Bible. And the pastor of the church wrote in the beginning of everybody's Bible a Bible verse. And, you know, all the kids wanted to see, what did the pastor write for me? You know, it was kind of almost like a fortune cookie. Like, you know, what's my future going to be like? What's the pastor writing for me? You know, like, and there, you know, there's these promises like you know the Lord will protect you like a sun and a shield and all these awesome promises. And then I opened my Bible and I had this is the verse that was inside of my Bible, Proverbs 16 verse 25. There's a way that seems right to a man, but that way is a way unto death. <laughs> I was like, wow, thank you. And I was like, what does that even mean? You know, way unto death. <laughs> it's like here I'm like this little kid, you know, and I'm just thinking, you know, wow, you know, am I going to die or what's going to happen here? And and you know, I you know, and I just you know, it was kind of in the back of my mind, you know, growing up and thinking, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right to a person, but that's a way that leads to death, I thought, you know, and it really didn't dawn on me until later when I, just before I went to Bible college, and I began to understand that, you know, I don't know God's will for my life. I just don't know it inside of me, and there's a lot that we can't trust about ourselves. Do you know that? Like, we love ourselves. We, We love to think about ourselves. We like to think, that we're amazing people, right? That that there's nothing wrong with us, and that everybody's wrong, but I'm right. We kind of like ha- like to have this way of thinking, but there's something that's very fallen and very broken inside of us. And when we look at when we look at the news about someone doing something terrible, um, unbelievable, horrible, we need to understand that that is in the heart of every man. Murder and stealing and all of these corruption. All, this is in every one of our hearts. It's just not something that we've acted on yet, and. This is inside of us and this way is broken. And so we don't know our compass inside of us is, is just broken and we don't know the right way to go. We have some ideas of what we would like to do with our life. Um, we had some, we have some, and it's funny because, you know, what's unique is that God will put, you know, as a teenager, I was 17 and I remember just thinking about my future and I, I kind of had to decide, okay, I want to go to a Bible school. I didn't know where I wanted to, and I wanted to be a missionary. And then I remember sitting, you know, I was Staying with some friends and I remember we, you know, like when you're staying with friends, you're going to sleep and you're just talking about like what we're gonna do in my future. And I said, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Bible school, I'm gonna graduate, I'm gonna move overseas to a Scandinavian country, and I'm gonna marry a a, a beautiful woman who has got blonde hair and blue eyes, and, and I'm just gonna be a missionary. You know, and that was like what we just dreamed about that stuff, you know. I got the country wrong, but I got the, the girl right and the eye color right. <laughs> And it's funny because, you know, in our mind, there's like, there are just glimpses of God's plan in our heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, God has put in our hearts godly desires. You know, and these, you know, these are desires. Don't look at all your desires as like something terrible. Like, oh, God, you know, you wouldn't want to give that to me because, you know, that's terrible. You know, and, and I, when I first met my wife, I just thought, no, she's too beautiful. She's too great. She's a great cook. This can't be God's will. It's just too good. And I'm going to get, you know, I had this hyper-religious Picture of what marriage looked like, and I think that what happens is that God puts in our heart glimpses of His plan for, but not like everything is so clear, because if everything was so clear to us, we wouldn't need to trust God. And so God's way and God's will is not something that we naturally know inside of ourselves. Here's another verse, Jeremiah ten verse twenty three. I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself; that is not in man who walks to to direct his steps. And so if we don't know, like if we don't know the way. And if we have this healthy little bit of a distrust for our heart, like I don't I want to guard my heart. I want to trust it. I don't want to trust it. I want to trust God. When we have this kind of attitude, we come to a question. And you know what that question is? How do I know God's will? How do I know God's will? And this is Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9. Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9. And it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. When I, had a, when I was in Ukraine, um, it was kind of like three conferences happening at the same time. And I was meeting with the pastors and I was meeting with the teenagers as well. And we have a group of about 25 teenagers there. And this summer, uh, we're going to take, take a mission trip to um, Izmir, Turkey, and to Ukraine with teenagers. And it's probably going to happen in August, the first week of August. And I want to take a group of teenagers with me If you guys would like to go, I mean, you're invited. But when I was there, we were talking about this. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. And then it says in verse 8 and 9, it just says that, you know, like God, my thoughts are not God's thoughts and his ways are not my ways. But you know something? When we seek the Lord, he will speak to us. It may take some time, but he will speak to you. When you seek the Lord, you know, when you say, Lord, I'm going to just commit my decisions to you. When you pray that way, doors will open that normally would not open, and other doors are going to close. And you know, I think that sometimes we have this idea of what God wants to do in our life, and we start pushing, but all we meet is closed doors. But then when when when, when God's plan does come, and we're tired of pushing, then the right doors will open, and God will provide something, and God will show us what his will is. And I used to think, how can I trust God's will? What if I don't like God's will? What if God gives me something that I don't like? What if I don't want to go that way? Well, God knows better what you and I need and what we desire than we know ourselves. Do you know that? God knows you, and he knows what will make you happier than what you know about yourself. And I think when we trust God that way, then we can seek him and say, Lord, I want your way. I want your way. Um... Number three, uh, God's direction in his way happens when we just surrender in all of our ways. My wife and I have like this tradition. What we do is, is we just pray, Lord, Lord, if this is your will, if this is your will, make it happen. But we are going to wait and let you confirm if this is your will or not. Because I'm afraid that I can make things happen in my life that are just not God's will. And I don't want to be in a place with, outside of God's will because there's no joy, there's no peace, there's no understanding, and there's just no grace, you know what I'm saying? But when we're in God's will, where there's just fulfillment, there's joy, there's health. It's not broken, it's not sick, it's not toxic. But like when we're walking in God's will, there's no toxicity. And if there is toxicity, then we know how to deal with it. And in Proverbs chapter three, verses five and eight, um, listen to this verse. And this is going to sound familiar, but just listen to it like you haven't heard it before. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know what that word acknowledge means? Surrender. It doesn't just mean, oh, yeah, yeah, God, I know you're here. Great. Thanks for being present. But acknowledge here means surrender. Just say, you know what, Lord, this is what I want to do, but I really need you to tell me if this is your will or not. And if it's not your will, close the doors and don't, don't cry when the doors close. Um, It just means that when doors close, that means that there's something so much better for you. In all your ways, acknowledge him in verse six, and he will make straight your paths. Um, I think there's a lot of crooked paths there, out there. And there's paths that go into drugs. There's paths that go into addictions. There's paths that go into brokenness. There's paths that just go into just self-destruction. And I think if we trust the Lord, um, he makes our paths straight. Are you, have you ever been in a relationship where it's a very bad relationship and you can't get out of it? And I was thinking about this before. Uh, this happened to me many, many years ago. And I just didn't know how to get out of this thing. And I just said, Lord, no matter what I try, it just seems like that this, is, this toxicity is just like attracted to me like a magnet. And I remember coming to the place just thinking, you know what, I don't know what to do, but I'll just pray. I said, Lord, Do something in that person's life. Do do something in this situation so that, because I just right now don't have strength and I don't have energy and I don't have the wisdom to, to deal with this. And you know what happened? God did it in some miraculous way and just the whole thing was over. And I just remember thinking, you know, that was the Lord making my path straight. Verse seven, don't be wise in your own eyes. And, you know, don't you love Proverbs? It's just don't be, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. I think that, you know, like sometimes when we're following our broken heart and our fallen heart, we're getting into self-destructive habits and we think it's going to be different, but it always ends the same way. Hurt, brokenness, sadness, destruction. And whenever we do that, we kind of are thinking like, you know what? I know what's best for me. My son's at the age where now he's just like, no dad, like I know what's better. (laughs) It's just for me. Like I was like, dude, you've been on the earth four and a half years and I've been on the earth for 55. So... Let's figure this out, okay? You do not know right now what's the best for you. And it just makes me laugh. But that's the way we are with God. Like when we just chase our own fallen heart and it leads us into some ditch somewhere and we're like, you know, I thought this would be great. I thought this would be really, I thought I was so smart. But fear the Lord. And fearing the Lord doesn't mean being scared and intimidated. Fearing means like, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever been near train tracks and a train's coming? And as the train is coming, you know you're at a safe distance. You know, like the the gates down. This would happen to us when we lived in Europe. You know, we're standing on this platform ready to board a train. We're waiting for the train to come. And this huge, you know, and the trains in in Ukraine are larger than the the engines are bigger than what we have here in the States. And the tracks are wider. So it's like, you know, when a train is moving like maybe one or two miles an hour, it's just kind of like moving like this, it's vibrating with energy and it's vibrating with power, and it's vibrating with just immensity, and you see this thing coming, and you're like, you know, there's all these lines, and you're behind the lines, but you still, like, and you know that the the train's not going to go off the tracks and just run over you on the platform. You know where the train's going. You know there's this predictability about the direction of the train. But there's this awe about it. There's this, this, the energy, the power of it just makes you take a step back. you You know what I'm talking about? And you're standing, and you can feel it vibrating in your chest. That's the way it is with God. It's like we're not afraid of God. We know where He's going. He's predictable. He's not going to jump off the tracks and destroy us. There's a direction. We know His character. But there's this, there's this awe. It's the only word I can think of. Awe. is Like this is awe about God. And just like you know, I'm in awe. It's just. And it, do, you do you understand the difference when something is amazingly immense and you're in, in a state of awe? When we think that way, then in verse eight it says, "It shall be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones." And I want to end with this: is like if we're broken, if we're if we're sick, if we're ailing, if we're not healthy in our soul or in our flesh, not living in our own eyes, and living in awe of God. You know, when we do worship here, you know, I love doing it. I love it. I, but I think that when we do when we do worship, um, I think it's really important for us to imagine God's presence is with us. Imagine the immensity of God. Imagine the character and the nature of God. I think in many churches today, worship has become more of a a show. And you don't see people singing in the audiences because it's more of a presentation. But I think worship for us is when we're singing together and we're worshiping God, like how great you are. And it's such an old, old hymn. You can tell because that thou is in there. It's like a really old word for you and when we just think about the immensity and the greatness of God all of our problems just come into the right perspective and when we think about the power of God and the immensity of God and the immovability of God that God is not moved by things that move us when we do that that kind of heals us there's a healing there's a there's an assurance there that it's going to be okay and that the Lord is that the Lord is not going to forsake us and so lastly i just want to say this is that God has three types of will, okay? Actually four. Um, And we see this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that it says, present yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, that you may prove what the will of God is. What does that mean, to like, to prove it? And what will is it? And there's three descriptions of the will, that perfect, the acceptable, and the good will of God. And I just want to mention three. There's four things about the will of God. Number one, there's God's perfect will, and and that perfect will is that this is exactly what God wants for my life. And when I'm in the perfect will of God as a creature, I'm happy, I'm healthy, I'm fed. Then there's this other thing called the permissive will of God. Do you know what permissive means? It means it's not the it's not the exact perfect thing that God wants, but He's allowing it in our life because we're free will agents. We we make our own decisions. God has not made humanity as robots. God says, you know what? I'm putting you in a world and I'm going to let you make your own decisions. And guess what? You get to live in your world, in your town, in your state, in the consequences of your collective decisions. And that's why we see evil today. Does that make sense? People say, why does God allow evil? Well, if God did not allow evil, then God would have would have created a world of robots. And that is that is that is more evil than if God created humanity with a with the ability to make his own decisions and then the accountability and the responsibility to live in, in our decisions and the consequences of our decisions. And so there's that permissive will of God. We don't really want to be there. Something that God allows, but it's not God's perfect will. We see this in the Bible when, when Israel did not have a king, and they looked at all the nations around it. And all these other nations had kings. They had this royalty. This royal, like, man, this is really great. we got a king, and he's great. He's amazing. He's like a god. But Israel didn't have a king. Their king was God. And so Israel is complaining to God. They said, God, we want a king. And so God speaks to Samuel and says, you know what, Samuel, Israel wants a king. Um, I'm going to give them a king, but it's not the best thing I want for them. But I'm going to give it to them anyway. And they, and, they, and they get Saul. Saul is their first king. And he's just, he's really a, he's just an in, insecure guy. He's a bad leader. And he just, he, gets, he just cops out. And it's just a horrible experience for the whole nation of Israel. That's God's permissive will. God's permissive will always leads back because of his His redemption and his kindness leads us back to God. And so we want God's perfect will. And so there's three types of will. Number one, geographical. God has, God has a geographical will for you. God wants you and I in a specific geographical location. That's the way. And I think that that's Genesis 46, verse 1 and 4. God said to Jacob, go to, Israel, go to Egypt and do not fear. God is saying to e- to, to Jacob. He said, go to Egypt. I want you there geographically. I believe that God has a geographical location for us, for a church, for a place to live and where, where we're supposed to be. And that's a geographical will of God outside of the geographical will of God. For me, geographically is going to be a place where there's three things. I don't have God's grace. I don't have God's wisdom and I don't have God's power. Number two, this is Mark chapter four, verse 20. There's a functional will of God, okay? When I'm in God's geographical will, then I can function in that place, and it's called a functional will of God. And you know something in Mark 4, verse 20, when we're in the right place and we're functioning in that right place, then we're going to bear fruit. And there's going to be profit in our life. There's going to be fruit. And then, and then number three, lastly, is uh, the operational will of God. And this is just here in our mind. How to think. How does God want me to think today? And that's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5 casting down casting down things that just that are that exalt itself against God in my life and so operationally when I'm geographically in the right place and I'm functioning there by faith and I'm not analyzing my, my life by sight then I start to think with God I start to think with God and that's second Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 and I want to end there and maybe what we could do today is is um, after the service if you want we can just go back in the corner there and we just for a few minutes we could just chat about um, some of these points and maybe what you got out of it, okay? So let's just close in prayer.